Hello, everyone. My name is Melissa Risso, and I'm a California-licensed marriage and family therapist. While I'll make every effort to broadcast correct information, mental and sexual health are a constantly changing science and art. Therapists often differ in their treatment techniques, and the views expressed on this show are solely those of myself and my guests. So know that I'm not providing therapy. Suggestions on how to work up common mental and sexual health complaints are based on the best available evidence. Please consult with your own physician for any medical issues that you or someone you know may be having. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. You're listening to Let's Do It with Melissa Risso, licensed marriage and family therapist discussing mental health, relationships, and all the good stuff between the sheets. Thanks for tuning in today. Topic is really about internet addiction or virtual addiction. Today's show guest has been a practicing marriage and family therapist for over 30 years. She received her doctorate degree in transpersonal psychology, and more recently, she was a candidate at the Psychoanalytic Institute of Northern California in San Francisco. Her specialty is in recovery issues, couples therapy, and sexual issues with over 25 years of experience. In addition, she was a senior clinician at the San Jose Marital and Sexuality Center, where therapists specialize in treating couples and individuals with sexual issues. Her work has led her to be interviewed by the LA Times, Red Book Magazine, quoted in the book Extraordinary Relationships, and interviewed for German television on internet sexual addiction. I would like to welcome Dr. Anne Langley to the show. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Melissa. Where to even begin on internet addiction? It's so much on the rise from what it seems, especially with how much people need to be tuned in. Some of the statistics state that 50% of use of the Internet is for seeking sexual sites on the Internet. Where does the statistic come from, do you know? The National Center for Sexuality Studies. 50%, that's a lot. (laughs) I know. Now, when do you feel like this started to really increase or become a concern for people then? Well, I think people started researching and writing about it around 1983, but the Internet didn't really become really more popular until later, like mid-90s or so. And then people began researching it, like Kimberly Young presented a paper at the American Association of Psychological Society in 96, and there was a lot of writing about it after that. Al Cooper, who I worked with in San Jose, did a lot of research and writing about it as well in the like late 90s. Certainly people are interested in the thing that I'm interested in, at least in terms of my practice and so forth, is people with sexual issues that are being on porn sites for hours after hour and that kind of a thing, and it's really impacted their life. What would you say is the common theme that's coming in around porn addiction then for your office primarily? Usually it's seeking sites, pornography sites. For example, say a married man whose wife discovers that he's been on a lot of porn sites. People who are being on porn sites too much and it's impacting their ability to have a relationship and have a fulfilling life. And there has been research, and again, Dr. Kimberly Young, early in the mid-90s or so, I guess 98, did a research paper on depression and virtual addiction and that there's definitely a link. And they're trying to figure out, did the depression come first and then the Internet addiction was to soothe and anesthetize the difficult feeling? 
or is being on porn sites depressing? <laughs> and I think, <laughs> or, you know, spending too many hours on porn sites and not having a real life. And it's not just porn sites, but it's also, say, a housewife who's in board and in chat rooms. And research does show that it it can escalate those kinds of things, going from chat rooms to meeting people and, and that kind of thing. I know this often comes up in my own practice where I do see a lot of couples coming in where one primarily has that porn addiction and there's the partner that's concerned with what's normal, what's not normal. Should someone be watching porn? Because mm-hmm. for some people, it's very normal to be watching porn. And other people, it's what's appropriate, what's inappropriate mm-hmm. kind of question. Dr. Cooper's research back in the, I guess, late 90s, early 2000s, it was determined that over 11 hours a week was considered a problem. Under 11 hours a week was considered casual entertainment, like someone would be watching television Mm -hmm. or have a hobby or doing something like that. So that was kind of the criteria that after 11 hours, it could start spilling over into your having time for your spouse, your children, your work, your relationships, your friends, that kind of a thing. That makes sense because, I mean, today it is so easy to access where you or any one of us can get on the internet, and there are tons of free porn websites. And I often hear this from clients where, why not? I'm bored and I feel like looking these things up. And oftentimes I can't help but wonder with my clients, is it replacing some other addiction? Because quite often I meet people and they're like, I used to be an alcoholic or used to be involved in drugs and then kind of hop from different addictions. Mm -hmm. And porn addiction was kind of the next thing that a lot of people end up turning to. Certainly in the addiction field, we know about cross-addiction and that someone could stop drinking, but then they would start smoking marijuana because they didn't consider that a problem for them before the alcohol got them into trouble. Uh, people can turn to food. They can turn to porn, anything. Certainly we know that those things do happen. So again, it would be if you wanted to use the 11-hour criteria, that might be a baseline for them to determine. And or just like in any addiction, is it affecting your job? Have you had legal consequences? Is it affecting your relationship? You can look at those sort of behavioral indicators too for a problem. Is there an average age as to when people start to really look at porn? I mean, most people would say teen years is when I've often heard from people that they started exploring the whole porn on the internet. But what I'm really curious is, is there an average age where people have noticed in the field through research as to when it starts to become an addiction on average? I don't know if there is an average age, but my guess is that just like in adolescent development where adolescents become curious about sex, that because it used to be girly magazines and they'd find their dad's girly magazines, you know, hidden in the bedroom drawer or something. And But now they have this incredible access to the internet. And a lot of parents aren't really technically savvy enough to filter what their children see on the internet. And hopefully they seek, you know, technical help in order to stop them going from to certain uh, websites or, you know, chatting with strangers who are older and so forth on the internet. And hopefully they have the computer in the family room, in the kitchen, you know, area where the mother's making dinner, mom and dad are making dinner or whatever, so that they're monitoring. Child's not just in their room watching whatever they want. So there's there's things that parents can do. And I would kind of assume that kids would get curious and be looking at things age 10 on when they get curious about sex in adolescence. So you're curious at that age, mm-hmm. but it is so different now where you could just, again, hop on the Internet and you could see everything. And I mean 
everything where it just ranges depending on what your interest is when it comes to porn. And so when it comes to couples then in your office, what do you often see? Couples where the wife discovers it and she's concerned and wonders if it's a problem. And for couples, sometimes what can happen is the spouse can begin to feel that they're less attractive because of what their partner's been watching on the Internet. Usually there's some kind of a sexual issue if people really are addicted with a sexual issue or an intimacy issue or both with actually having sexual relations with the person that they're with so that they actually will be having less intercourse and less uh, lovemaking with the person that they're with because of the sort of the substitute, you might say, of the pornography. Not just porn, but with other people, there's been issues of finding out that the spouse was actually on a site seeking prostitutes and that kind of a thing and looking up. So it can be the whole range from just looking on the internet, chat rooms, people who, in terms of affairs, I mean people who aren't even, it's not even a virtual addiction, but the wife will find a string of texts on the phone to, you know, someone that they're having just a virtual relationship, maybe not even anything that's consummated, but kind of in that same way. And that's the thing that I often meet with couples where they're like, well, is this considered cheating or not? There's always one spouse that says, I'm not physically doing anything. I'm not having an emotional connection. It's just something that's a distraction is I commonly hear that. So what would you say anything along those lines Mm -hmm. as to is it a concern when this starts to become kind of an intimacy factor outside of the relationship? Yeah, even if it's not consummated, if it's just strictly texting or on the Internet or that kind of a thing, and they say that they're not emotionally connected with the person, there is something exciting that's stimulating, that's drawing them to this activity. And the biggest problem with couples that I see is the time issue of having time for each other. So definitely it's having an impact in terms of time that the person would have for family, for children and or spouse and family activities. There's so many things in life that are pulling couples in so many directions. So even if they're not emotionally, don't feel emotionally attached to the person if it's taking time away, it doesn't seem like that would be a healthy thing. If if everything was okay in the relationship, I don't think that the person that's having that, whatever it is, virtual relationship or texting relationship, would be doing that if everything was, if they were fulfilled in their primary relationship. So let's pretend I am in a marriage or a relationship, and I'm starting to wonder if my partner is becoming addicted to porn or the internet in general. What is something you would suggest that I should be doing or checking in with my partner about to kind of see if this is an addiction or overall how to approach the topic? I would actually approach your partner very directly with it. And usually if we say something that we're feeling first, this is what we typically say to couples, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling a little bit lonely or I'm missing you or... I sort of feel like the spark's gone out of our relationship, and I I just wondered if anything's going on or if we need to talk about anything because I'm really missing you. And usually that, rather than you're on the Internet too much or what the hell are you doing or something like that. Those you statements are deadly. (laughs) You'll have a much better uh, response from your spouse if you just are honest and say, I'm really feeling kind of lonely in our relationship. I always tell my couples that where it's so crucial that you – Talk to your partner using I statements because anytime you use you statements, automatically it's going to put your partner on the defensive Mm -hmm. side. Mm -hmm. So you've touched upon the I'm feeling this or I think this or just keeping it upon yourself is important. So if you're listening, 
try that at first. <laughs> right. So, but I, I often hear that where there are partners that they don't know what to do once they do find out there is an addiction or there is that porn piece involved in the relationship, then that's where they often come in my office and they just seem, not all but most, very confused as to what to do around this. Oftentimes, it's the male clients, if I'm seeing a heterosexual couple, where the male said for years, I've been looking at porn, didn't think much of it. It seems like a guy thing is another thing I commonly hear. So what's the big deal? Do you hear that in your office, first off? Not necessarily. Like, is, Do you think it's less than 11 hours a week? It's just a casual watching a comedy on TV or something like that? It's just varied with the people Mm -hmm. that I've Mm -hmm. met in my office where some of them, it has been to the point where it's definitely over 11 hours and some not so much, Mm -hmm. maybe once a week. Mm -hmm. But it's a concern for the partner that why is he turning towards porn and not turning towards me? Mm -hmm. That's the big common issue I Mm -hmm. often hear. It depends on the wife's attitude towards it because some wives will say, let's watch it together. Let's let it stimulate our sex life. Some wives would be, you know, think it's morally abhorrent in some way. It really depends on the individuals as whether it's normalized or not. Is there something that you often work with couples around this then? So say a couple comes in your office. Here I have a porn addiction. My partner has this. Where should we go next or what should we do next? One thing that's often gone on, maybe not so much with porn as affairs and those kinds of things, but where the spouse begins cyber sleuthing, so to speak, Sometimes we start with that, that that's not really the kind of relationship that they probably want to be having where they're checking up on each other or checking each other's phones and that kind of thing. And then working very, very much on the if there's been any sense of betrayal, rebuilding the trust in the relationship, increasing, improving the communication, of course, and trying to make the relationship more fulfilling and fun in, in whatever ways if there is something that's been missing in the relationship the person has turned to excessive looking at porn or excessive chat rooms and that kind of a thing. That trust and communication mm-hmm. is so crucial. I keep saying crucial. It's just important because I'm thinking of some people in mine where they were in a relationship and their partner was getting phone calls at 10 at night. They thought they were cheating. In reality, they weren't, but they were just kind of checking the sports game or just talking to some friends, but a lot of people are so kind of wrapped up in this internet whole world now. How do we really stay connected to our partners or people in our lives at this point Mm -hmm. without it taking over our own lives? I'm often suggesting lately like tronic free zone, like from 6 to 9 p.m. Sometimes people do have to work when they come home, but if they can have family time, make the dinner, have, I always recommend that couples have a decompression session and sit down and tell each other about their day and be supportive and empathic with each other. Not advice giving, but just really listening like a friend would listen. And so finding time for that, people that are working and have children, that that is a really crucial time of day. And one of the complaints of spouses can be, but my wife's on the iPad the whole time, you know, between six and nine, if she's not making dinner or helping the kids with the homework, and there's no time for me. So just before the show, I was out near a restaurant, and I just couldn't help but watch people. And I hear these couples were out together, and they're both on their phones or they're on their iPads. It just seems like we've lost that connection of how to connect with mm-hmm. people 
near us or in front of us at mm-hmm. times where I know I'm guilty of it at times too, where I'm checking the, my emails or, you know, on the phone with someone texting. It's like, when does it ever stop mm-hmm. these days? It just seems like it's taking over our lives. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's incredibly seductive because even it's quote, quote, against my religion to be on the cell phone like if I'm at dinner with a friend or something. But maybe we want to check a movie time or maybe something came up. We want to look it up on the Internet. And I feel kind of guilty actually reaching for my phone and looking something up at dinner because I look around at restaurants, too, and see people not connecting, that they're on their electronic devices rather than talking with each other. I'm just wondering as to how it's really going to start changing relationships and friendships in our lives now. Facebook, Twitter, Grindr, all these different things that are out there. It's like you're constantly tuned in. Can't help but wonder the safety pieces around that. Like how much of that is healthy and what is not healthy too. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably not healthy. I know that there's different thinking about it, but I compare it to children who watch too much television, which I think is extremely unhealthy for brain development and creativity and all kinds of things that children need to be doing developmentally rather than looking at flashing images on screens that they really don't kind of have the ability to even process yet. It's kind of like information overload, I think, for young people who need to be using their large muscles for movement and creativity and play and those kinds of things. So can't help but think for the young people that the hardwiring in the brain, even back, you know, 10, 20 years ago with the video games. And I know my son who's 40 now was practically addicted to video games at the time. And that was a really big concern. So it's all very seductive and pulls us away from relating and relationships. And that's, I think, for me, where the real fulfillment in life comes. What do you think the reason or reasoning as to why it is so seductive? Because I've heard different theories that different things are going on in our brain that really stimulates ourselves when we're on the internet or when we're playing video games or doing these different things that are just such a distraction. Mm -hmm. And I know one thing I've heard from most people is like, I just want to tune out. I don't want to think about my life. I just want almost like going to the movies. Mm -hmm. You just want that distraction. So I'm wondering, what is it about the internet that is so seductive? I think it's that it's that same kind of thing, even with virtual addictions like we're talking about with the mm-hmm. sexual addictions and so forth. The sort of the anticipation, the pleasure, the at least momentary pleasure and excitement. And I think the you know, the pleasure centers are the in the brain are involved, almost like with heroin and drugs and that kind of a thing. And so it's the anticipation, the kind of the unknown in a way. And if you're doing something kind of risky or secretive or sort of the qualities of an affair in real time, in real life, but sort of some of those same qualities that are incredibly stimulating and you kind of, you don't know what's going to happen and all that anticipation. And I think it has some of those same dynamics. I couldn't help but watch these people. They were taking all these selfies of themselves and posting it on. And it just seems like we have a whole nother identity in a sense that we can create from the internet. We can be a whole different person that maybe we want to showcase to other people Mm -hmm. that are like these dream selves or these ideal selves or just whoever we want to become, we can. Like trolls on the internet, people that can just say these nasty comments and their identity is not shown, but they can just let out different sides of their personality on the internet. It just seems like people are using it for so many different reasons that to me, in a lot of ways, just doesn't seem healthy whatsoever. But at the same time, the internet has really given us 
so many wonderful tools to explore and new ways to educate ourselves and learn about different things. And when does the internet, so taking away porn, because you said 11 hours here, but when does it become an addiction overall with the internet? Oh, I think definitely that, what we were talking about, like with families being on their iPads and computers and maybe kids on video games and, and even just television is in there, lumped in there somewhere, is definitely, I mean, it's way more than whatever the percentage is of, I think it was, I pulled out some statistics, but 25 million Americans visit cyber sites one to 10 hours a week and 4.7 million in excess of 11. That was a C, CSNBC Ooh. study. <laughs> But 10% of the U.S. population log on to porn sites daily. And actually, the statistics said that the highest usage is 9 to 5. People are at work. At work. 25% <laughs> at work seek sex online because maybe, you know, your wife's not going to possibly see it in that case. That was a Nielsen online I'm really survey. surprised to hear that. I know I would be afraid if I wanted <laughs> that my job would find out that I'm looking at these but websites. But that's what this sur survey Oh, my showed. goodness. And you know these numbers are always low because like 3.5% suffer from sexual compulsive disorders related to the Internet. And that's low based on those. That's only those seeking treatment. So we know these numbers are all low because people don't either take surveys or they don't. Mm -hmm. They're not reporting report them. Report honestly on surveys. But in general, in terms of family life and so forth, I mean, I think it's been a problem for probably since television, probably since the 50s, in terms of people not making a fire and sitting down and chatting or sometimes you sit around the, the fire and tell stories and that kind of a thing to each other for entertainment or play musical instruments and those kinds of things in the, in the really olden days. But it certainly is impacting families and how they function and how they relate and children being in their room isolated and on their computer feeling lonely. Yeah, you, know? you often see pictures on the Internet of, like, the dad, the mom, and the kid. They're all doing different things. One's on the iPad. One's on their phone. Mm -hmm. One's watching television. It's like how much are we really tuning in to each other? I know for me personally, my partner and I, we have to sit down together at dinner and we don't have any television on we don't listen to we don't answer phones or whatnot we just kind of sit with each other and that's one of my favorite times in the day because mm -hmm. how often do we really do that now I mean some people do it more often than others but when you're I'm no for me I'm so go 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 so when I finally have that moment I feel like it's such a beautiful moment to connect to him and afterwards we just go straight to the tv then and it's like back into that mode and it's just so tuned in all the time like mm -hmm. even when my alarm goes off in the morning I'm checking my emails first thing then checking them at the end of the day it's something that I, I went on Facebook the other day too my friend was like I thought I lost my phone I thought I left it at home and I had a freak out moment it's like oh goodness like I had to stop and think to myself what would I do if I left my phone at home? Like, I don't know half my friend's phone numbers. I hate to admit that, but it's all programmed in my phone. And I wouldn't know what to do if I didn't have the Internet nowadays. It's just so part, mm -hmm. it's almost second nature mm -hmm. at this mm -hmm. point. Right. But I think that we have to still make the choices, set the boundaries. Like I said, feeling guilty if I even look at something on my phone. If I'm having dinner with a friend, it feels rude in some way. Even maybe we're looking up a movie time together. But Bill Doherty has written a book, Take Back Your Marriage. And he talks about this idea of ritualizing this time together. You had said, were you with your partner? You have this kind of ritualized time where you sit down, you have dinner, turn off all the electronics. That's what people have to do. They have to cut off from it and figure out 
really making the time and space to relate to each other. So anything that you would recommend overall that families should do? Because I know you said set aside the time, but how often should parents, for instance, should they let their children watch television or surf the internet? Because I, I remember working with a family once and the kids would kind of make the excuse, well, I have to do this for homework or I have to look up these things and they'd just be on the internet chatting away. And So any recommendations for parents as to how to kind of regulate their children's use of the internet? Adolescents connect and figure out who they are and are they're forming their identity through their friendships and talking with their friends. And so I never really recommend like taking adolescents' phones away from them because that's kind of like their lifeline. And if they're chatting, I guess, on online, it would be kind of the same as a phone. You just have to make sure that they're getting their homework done. But I, I definitely would lim- limit Internet time after, I don't know, whatever. Set up your dinner hour and say, look, you have two hours and you can do your homework and get it done and get, get offline and talk with your friends or whatever. And certainly children, young children. Well, my daughter went to Waldorf school, and they recommend no television and no movies until age seven because you're trying to allow the child to develop their own creativity, their own images, and their own mind, and that you just tell them stories, not even give them Disney images in books and so forth. That's almost impossible. Like my daughter's 30, and even you know 23 years ago, that was pretty darn hard to do. And you don't want them to not be in sync culturally and with common practices and so forth of the pop culture or whatever you have. I've seen it go both ways. You don't want them to be out of sync with their peers and so forth either. But I don't think young children under, I don't know, five or three should watch any television whatsoever. I mean, even a half an hour, it's, I suppose, something on Channel 9 or something for a half an hour a day or something. But they just, they don't need that. They need to be playing and being creative and it's hard when parents work because you put them down in front of a movie so you can get something done. But, you know, each person has to. That's a very individual decision. But I think less is more in terms of video images for young children. Because I can almost hear some of the parents listening right now. Like, I am busy and I cannot take my child to the park every single day or I can't afford to do this or that with my kid. As much as I love my children, it's just there's some moments that... I know parents need to themselves. I get it. Mm. But then what would you suggest replacing television with? Or, <clears throat> Well, I'm just thinking right now, I mean, maybe this is like the olden days because my daughter's 45 and we had a large enough kitchen that there was room at one end of it for, we just got a large coffee table, just an old, you know, secondhand coffee table. She had all of her coloring books, all of her colors, puzzles, whatever, and I would make dinner and she was in the kitchen there. There was no so olden days. We had a big TV in the living room, but nothing, of course, in the kitchen and no computers, of course, 45 years ago. And she entertained herself and colored and did her Play-Doh or whatever she did for that hour. And maybe we watched something together after dinner or something like that. But they don't need to be, they don't need to be entertained all the time. They can entertain themselves. They can have some downtime. Children need more downtime. Yes. (laughs) Oh, I was talking about this the other day with a friend where we went out for coffee and this little boy was sitting next to us. And for at least two hours that we were at this coffee shop, he was on his iPad playing little video games. The mom didn't even interact once with him. And I just can't help but wonder, are pure interactions going to be? How are jobs going to be for people that are just so used to being in front of a screen? 
you know, those social skills to me, just playing and being a kid. And I think it's so crucial to just be a kid and tune off or out of the Internet. I just I don't know why. Just I'm really concerned with what this next generation is going to be like, given with how much they are involved with the iPad, the TV, the Internet, every single thing. It's kind of the reality of what the world is coming to at this Mm -hmm. point. The Internet certainly impacted sexual activity and looking at porn sites and chat rooms and those kinds of things. And Al Cooper had this theory of the AAA engine that it was affordability, accessibility, and anonymity Hmm. because, I mean, those three things contributed to just this huge surge of this being a problem in people's lives. If it was Playboy or whatever all the magazines were, you know, from the newsstand, that was a different, completely different era. And, of course, I mean, there were always porn films and porn shops and all those kinds of things, but the anonymity piece, I think, was really big, and the accessibility, of course, of the internet, and then affordability when sort of everybody was online and you just paid a monthly fee, so. Well, what do you think people should really know more than anything about internet addiction? Mostly that there's help out there, that there is an understanding of this, there is treatment for this, there is help and support, and people don't usually seek counseling until they're suffering enough, but if you are suffering, to certainly seek support seek counseling, seek help, whether it's a group or an individual, and then for parents to be just really aware of their children's activities related to electronics, related to television, really monitoring, limiting time, watch, you know, monitoring what they're watching, what they're accessing, and how much time they're on it. I think those are the two big things. Definitely. And how could people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about you and your work? I have a website, Dr. D-R-A-N-N Langley, L-A-N-G-L-E-Y.com. I'm on Psychology Today and Marriage Friendly Therapist and several websites as well. If you just Google Ann Langley, I'll, I'll come up on the Internet. And my phone is 650-366-3685, and I'm located in Redwood City, California. Well, I'd like to really thank you for coming out today and speaking on this topic because it is really becoming relevant and needed to be discussed. So thank you so much. And for the listeners, I really want to keep this conversation going. So take a look and join in on the conversation. I want to hear from you. So take a look at my website at www.rissocounseling.com and let's hear what you have to say around internet addiction or even porn addiction. So hopefully hear from you there. And let's keep up the conversation around mental and sexual health. So come on, guys. Let's do it. Want more? Visit www.rissocounseling.com for more ideas on mental health, sex, and relationships.